0: There are so many ways of getting to a destination, either physically or spiritually. Sometimes we wander. Sometimes we know exactly where we want to go, but sometimes we need a guide. A hand that comes through the confusion and helps pull us forward into a better life. Our business today is one of those guides. I'm Laird Hercules, and welcome to the Local Street Podcast where we share big stories about small businesses. Today I'm joined by Giselle Taraba, co-owner of the Small Business Matri Center, located in Burford, Ontario. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: So Giselle, I'm so curious, where are you from and where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, Um, so I was born in Lima, Peru, um, and I came to Canada when I was 10. Um, And we came in the middle of um, one of those really bad February winters. Um, And so my mom thought we had moved to Siberia, She honestly, because in, in Peru, our fall here is our winter there, so that's probably as cold as it gets. Um, and so when we moved here, my mom was like, yeah, I'm done. I need to go back. Um, so, yeah, so I grew up in uh, Whitby, Ontario. Um, yeah, and basically spent the rest of my life here.
0: Um, yeah. okay, so, uh, so you were in Whitby when you were younger. Did you always stay in Whitby or did you move to go to school or...?
1: No, um, thank you for asking that. I did, I went to school in Toronto. So I did a bachelor's in psychology and political science um, in Toronto. And then I did my master's in um, Hamilton. Then I, I did another master's in, but that was out of uh, Guelph. Um, but then I moved, when I moved in with my husband, I moved from Hamilton to a little town called Fontail, which is like the middle of nowhere, (laughs) which was, you know, and now from there we moved to Niagara and the Lake. And then now we are kind of, again, living in the middle of nowhere, um, rurally in Burford, uh, which is between Brantford and Woodstock. Um, and it's, uh, it's amazing what you can get in the country in terms of land and house, um, based on the city and with the retail, I mean, with the prices of housing right now is so incredibly crazy. Uh, But we wanted a a bigger space, like for my husband works out of home. He has his own business, a separate business than the one we have together. Um, So we needed a shop um, and we were lucky enough to get this um, big property with it. So, um, yeah, we love country living, although my kids don't like it so much because they don't get to ride their bikes to their neighbors or their friend's house. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it seems like it's just kind of serene, quiet, that kind of idea, which, is. Uh, you know, I find allows yeah. for so much uh, mental space. So uh, no, that's, that's fantastic. So actually on that exact note, love and compassion seems to be such an appropriate name, given our current times. So can you tell me about the Matri Center uh, for love and compassion?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and I totally agree when you see the state of the world um right now uh we kind of wish that um we were able to have greater love and compassion for each other and and move away from that power over uh those kind of power over approaches uh where we need to take things from other people um and that's basically the mission of the of the maitri center Um, it really is to help each of us remember our own uh, inner power and kind of unlearn a lot of the things we have learned that prevent us from be- truly being loving and compassionate towards ourselves and other people. Uh, from our perspective, love and compassion really are our default setting. When you think about, uh, you know, uh, in the caveman times, it wouldn't have been to your survival to act in a competitive way or to act in, in a way that was uh, not loving and compassionate to yourself and others because you survived the community. And so I think we have gotten so far away from who we truly are because of all these things we have learned uh, that we're not worthy, that we're not lovable, that we have to do all of these things or be all of these things in order to be worthy of that. Uh, So for us, it's kind of an unlearning. So our our mission really is to help uh, individuals kind of step into their own power and stop giving their authority away to other people and really tap into that loving compassion for themselves. Um, in one person at a time, community at a time, you, that, that's how you help create a better world. That's how we are going to create a world that is loving and inclusive to everyone. It's one person at a time. So that's, that's our mission at the, at the Mitri Center.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things of just, it's almost like, oh, I don't want to say forgiving yourself, but allowing yourself to recognize that you're worthy individual and sometimes we need those reminders so i definitely identify with that uh, yeah. i imagine a lot of people out there need a little bit of that in their life sometimes sometimes as a reminder
1: um, yeah and if i can just add um it's interesting because we talk at the Maitre center a lot about power uh truly empowered people don't really need to disempower others they don't they don't have that life mentality that says to them that they have to take things from other they need to take either their energy or their belongings or they don't live in fear and therefore have to use violence against other people when you truly tap into your own power you know that everything comes from within and you're able to give that to yourself right and and you're able to forgive yourself and be loving and compassionate to yourself Um, and then that causes greater harmony Um, and so really tapping in what true power is is one of our goals
0: Awesome. I, I might come back to that. The concept of true power. I, I have a feeling that you, know, there's, you could probably, you've probably written <laughs> essays and books on that. So, um, but I'm really curious, how did you get started? This is such like an interesting message of personal empowerment and personal direction. So how did you get started? And, and was it always something that you were interested in?
1: Yeah, thank you. That's such a great question. Um, the answer is no. Um, I I grew up um, with a lot of childhood adversity, and, and so did my parents. And so since I was 15, I wanted to work in the child protection system. Yeah. I really believe that, you know, my dream was to rescue the children and help the families. Um, and since I was 15, I wanted to do that. Um, but I didn't want to go the traditional route. I knew enough about myself that I knew I couldn't apprehend children and, and do that kind of work. Uh, so I came into the child protection system kind of in a weird way through quality assurance. Um, so, um, you know, One of the interesting things is that in my role, instead of being the person who was dealing directly with families and doing the apprehensions and so on, not that that's the main core of child protection, like, you know, we do a lot of work with people in the homes, usually apprehension is the last resort. Uh, But because I was quality assurance, it enabled me actually to have conversations with the families. It enabled me to have conversations with the young people. It enabled me to have conversations with the workers as well about what it felt like to be in the system and what they wished that they would have. And what I found was a system that was really disempowering. Uh, the workers did not feel empowered. They felt like they had so much constraints that they couldn't work with families in the way that they wanted to. Sometimes there was a lot of guilt and shame in having to apprehend hand a child. Children felt at times not seen or heard or loved, depending on where they were placed. Their outcomes for the kids weren't always great. They didn't always graduate from, you know, like have high education or, you know, um, good employment or you know I, and so and then they would report feeling very alone, feeling like they didn't belong. And their families also felt like they were disempowered through the process, that they didn't feel like they were like that the needs of the kids were like superseded, but they also wanted support. And so I became really disillusioned with the whole experience. and I was like, this is my dream, but I'm, I was burning out. Um, I saw a lot of suffering. I saw the family suffer. I saw the kids suffer. I saw the worker suffer, mm-hmm. um, because the system is designed that way because it's, it's based on the foundation is fear, the fear of death, the fear of litigation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I came to a point where I was like, well, this is my dream. And I'm like, I'm miserable. Um, and I think my own trauma started to come up as well, you know, I had kind of pushed it for so long, um, that it was kind of like, well, here I am, (laughs) remember (laughs) me? Um, And so I so, what ended up happening was, I went on the search of something that was going to work, I thought this system doesn't work. We need something that's going to help people feel empowered, that they actually remember their own inner power and their own worthiness and their own love, so that they feel like they have enough power to be able to to support their children, to keep their children at home, to be able to to live their dreams. And so I was already a meditator and a mindfulness student, um, but I I somehow stumbled on compassion. Um, And I thought to myself, this may be the solution because there was good research out there about compassion. And so I took the mindful self-compassion course and actually now I'm a self-compassion teacher. But what started to happen was that I started to give myself all the love and compassion I was looking for externally, all that validation, all the worth, everything I was looking for. I started to give it to myself. And as I did that, I felt truly powerful. I felt like my relationships became more harmonious because I didn't need them to be a specific. I didn't need people to be a specific way. I was able to just accept them because I was able to accept myself. Um, and when that started to happen, I I found that I felt really powerful. Um, and so uh, I went back and, and tried to incorporate compassion within my organization. I was in leadership at the time before I left uh, with various levels of success. Um, I was I my teams were always like they were flourishing. They went from not flourishing to flourishing. Um, Uh, But the system itself is designed in a way that doesn't necessarily um, help you shift out of that fear. And so I left and I said, I want to do this sort of work. I want to help people remember um, their own power and their own ability to tap into that which they're looking for externally. Um, And I also wanted to do that for businesses. Um, So my husband and I work with businesses to uh, increase the amount of compassion um just to bring back the human back in human resources one of the departments i, I managed was uh, hr mm-hmm. and sometimes we acted in ways that you're like it's like the this it's the staff against the organization and you're like it, it doesn't have to be that way we can still maintain people's dignities and address the issues um and so um so yeah, so that's kind of how I got to, to do this work. I, I never thought I would be doing this and here I am doing something I love. I love doing it.
0: That's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, so you offer a number of different options and resources for both individuals, couples, and workplaces. So you just talked about you know, that you helped out businesses a bit, but you know, how can you describe how you help each one of those groups?
1: yeah for sure uh thank you um so for individuals i do one-on-one support i uh because i'm a trained I, a licensed or, or a trained social worker i'm not licensed um but because i have that social work training i'm also a, a mindfulness and self-compassion teacher so i do one-to-one coaching with individuals uh to help them sort of do that that you know, as I went on my journey, I learned a lot. And so I'm able to share those experiences, but it really is about tapping into their own wisdom. So rather than me telling them this process, it's about getting them more in touch with themselves so they can know, like let their wisdom flourish so that, because they know the way out. they just, they need to kind of learn some of the stuff. Uh, So we do one-on-one. My husband and I also hold workshops um, on compassion. We do, you know, workshops on, or we'll do like a six week workshop or, or courses on, you know, uh, creating harmonious relationships, compassion and communication. How do we communicate compassionately? How do we speak in a compassionate way and listen in a compassionate way um, as well? Um, and so we'll have those workshops for groups. We also like doing groups because then people can touch base with one another, right? So they, they go on kind of this journey together, one of the things that we're working on, uh, uh, David and I, um, is creating a community. So we're creating an online community of people to come together to have these discussions, to talk about our podcast, talk about our work, talk, support each other, and create a true community who's interested in being more loving and compassionate towards themselves. Um, and for businesses we do various levels of support. We can do like a, a one-day presentation on you know the benefits of compassion and, and starting some starting points. Uh, we've also um, focused on coming in and dealing and helping the leadership kind of embrace greater self-compassion because you can't have compassion for others until you have compassion for yourself as well as looking at some of those HR policies and procedures that may be kind of, taking the humanity away from the organization. Um, the last thing we're working on is we're also gonna be developing uh, some self-serve modules uh, where people can come and do that themselves if they don't have time to belong to a group. Um, and uh, one module that I'm particularly excited about is I'm working with my friend on, uh, deal, on um, addressing issues of, of race and equity with compassion. Um, how do we um, hold space for ourselves so that we can lean in and have difficult conversations? Because we struggle, right? We struggle really having those difficult conversations. People don't want to talk about race. They don't want to talk about things that make them uncomfortable. But how do we hold space enough so that we can be there for each other and for ourselves? Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that one.
0: Wow. Well, that's uh, that's incredible. That's quite a, a diverse lineup. And actually something that I wanted to... As it relates to what you were just describing, are they, you were describing workshops, but is, are there longer term plans? Because it's almost like you're on this verge of, uh, definitely self-help and self-discovery, but everything you're describing sounds really therapeutic as well. Uh, so, you know, it, it sounds like having a workshop with you would be great, um, yeah. But you know, ongoing support as well is is. I'm just kind of wonder how that works for you guys.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's the one-on-one support. So that's we do that one-on-one as well as that's what we're forming the community so that people can be there for each other in uh, with us. Gotta be honest, one of the things that we really focus on that is very different from therapy, which is why I didn't become licensed. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm is that we want people to get away from the belief that they need to be dependent on someone, mm. like on an expert or someone who is. Um, so the purpose is really for us to help you have, increase your awareness and increase your trust in, in your own intuition, in your own inner guidance, in your own very loving and compassionate. um inner being um, and so so often we give our authority away to people to coaches to experts to therapists to others when really each of us has the ability to heal ourselves and to really step up into our own so we try to not um create a system of that interdependence that dependence right Mm -hmm. so the purpose is for you to be as dependent and flourishing as possible and as quickly as you would like to see it right and it is possible i know people think that you know so healing takes as long or as little as you would like so we have the one-on-one as well as the community that wraps around so that we can show each other that we're all at different levels of learning we you know and so we can help each other grow and by helping each other grow, all of us grow together. And so that's those are the two systems of support that really we focus on really the independence and really stepping up into your own power.
0: Yeah, I really like that. It's just it's the concept of you can feed somebody fish or teach somebody to fish. And it's the same kind of concept yeah. and having that yeah. independence. And even so I see those individuals taking those learnings and even probably sharing them with people that they care about as well. So That discovery becomes contagious. Um, But you've taught them that to not be a dependent or to not have put somebody in a position where they're dependent as well. So, yeah, that's quite fascinating. And uh, I actually really like that. It's just, uh, it it is designed for longevity in another way. And then also, um, it's probably not as expensive. In the long term, right? If you're paying a, a, a therapist for, you know, four years um, versus uh, doing a series of workshops. Uh,
1: yeah. It, it, to be honest, Laird, we've all done it. I have gone through a series of uh, therapy. I mean, I kept trying to go and they kept trying to say to me, they kept graduating me. They're like, you're good now. Um, and it's also the same way with, with coaches. There's so many times we've read so many books. I read so many books. I love them. I mm-hmm. love reading Um, But it it became before I kind of embarked on this journey, it became to a point where you were like, you you kind of hear the same thing in different books. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you really have to choose to step up into your power. You have to choose to practice. Mm -hmm. You have to choose to say, okay, I'm going to stop looking at other people. And I'm actually going to take ownership of my life and create the life I want to create. And so no matter, I mean, the books are there as guideposts, right? Um, We're all here as guideposts for each other. But at some point, you really have to say, I, I'm, I'm my own hero. I'm the heroine of my story. And I'm the one that's going to have to step up at the end of the day.
0: That's so. awesome. Yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the protagonist in this journey. Uh, I really like that. So for those who are always on the go, I, I want to hear a little more. You have mentioned your podcast a few times. So can you share yeah. some of the info about the Love and Compassion podcast and what you discuss on there?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, for sure. Um, Again, this is one of those things I never thought I'd be doing there. The last thing, I I mean, I didn't even know podcasts existed. Uh, I didn't even, I certainly didn't want to be on camera. Um, And so that took a little bit of adjusting. Um, I kind of got periodically throughout my life, I've really been, or actually in my life, I've really been guided by this higher source, inner power, whatever it is you want to call it. I didn't always listen to the guidance like I, I you know when I look back on my life some of my stuff has been kind of miraculous but you know and so I um I was in the process I was still working within child welfare and I was trying to really figure out how do I incorporate this compassion into this very challenging system and so somebody actually gave me the name of this amazing lady whom I love um her name is uh Laura Naughton um, and she does compassion in the prison system. So she wow. goes and teaches the prisoners uh, of compassion. Um, and uh, and she gets some amazing results in terms of their ability to be able to forgive themselves, to ask for forgiveness, to reflect on what. Um, and, and, um, her and I had an amazing conversation about some of the challenges in incorporating compassion into these sorts of systems. And... Um, and, uh, and so I had asked her, I don't know, out of nowhere, kinda, I don't know where it kind of, I kind of blurted out and I asked her if she had a book um, and she said, yes, I have a book. And uh, you know, this was kind of at the end of the conversation and I said, okay, you know, thank you very much. You know? And I thought to myself, as a thank you, I'm going to buy this book because I love books anyways. And Laird, I bought this book. This book was my blowing So it was about her experience in going to, um, on vacation. Um, and, you know, she wanted this extraordinary love story. You know, she had put it out, the extraordinary love story. She had gone there a couple of times, um, I think it was Belize. Um, and, uh, and she came and she thought, I'm going to have this great love story. She ended up getting kidnapped and raped. Um, yeah. And, and it was during the process cuz she 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 knew she thought she was going to get killed like the guy was going to kill her during the process of the experience she had to lean into the person and express compassion and love for them so that she could survive and so the more she leaned into his pain the more that he started to see her as a person mm. and the more and she truly believed that that's what saved her life mm-hmm. because he was going to kill her but he, when she leaned in and she found out all of this stuff about what was happening he tried to kill himself earlier that day wow. um, because of all these other issues. And so she, as she, as she leaned in, he started to see her humanity and they kind of came through the thing. And then he, he kind of dropped her off at her hotel where he had picked her up because he was pretending to be a cab driver. Um, and the book was about her experience in really learning, like, first of all, trying to process the fact, but also really learning about how to have compassion for yourself and for people who are very hurtful. And why do they do hurtful things? That's how she actually came to do the work of compassion in the workplace. Wow. And I thought the story was mind-blowing. I thought, this has to be a podcast. Somebody has to share this story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, she was my second podcast uh, guest. Um, we talked about systems. We talked about how... Uh, systems kind of create, c- create these, these circumstances where people actually become these hurtful people and do all of these things. Um, and, you know, her and I talked about how in the prison system, you know, you are putting people with other people who are doing the same thing. They're the same energy, the same, mm-hmm. you know, vibration, the, the same beliefs and the same...
0: Almost amplifies it.
1: What you really want them to, that's, it, 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 that, exactly, it amplifies it. And then you expect these people, as she says, to do the superhuman thing, to be able to find compassion for themselves and other people and to have all of this eureka about, hey, I, I, I should, you know, really change my ways. And so she says, it's, it's an extraordinary thing you're asking these people to do. So that's how she got to do this compassion stuff. So wow. that's really what started the podcast. I started to look for stories of extraordinary compassion. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, they've been coming to me in different ways and the, and the podcast has sort of morphed a little bit to, um, because I think people have um, different levels of tolerance for those kinds of stories, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, we get hurt so much and we're so afraid. Um, so the podcast has kind of morphed into the the ability of love and compassion to transform our lives, Mm -hmm. right? And so I have people talk about compassion in parenting and in the workplace and and so different things. But really, um, my goal is to really get back to the root of those stories to show that we truly are compassionate. And when we lean into each other in in our most difficult times, that we can make it to the other side, even though it feels challenging. Um, So, yeah. So very that interesting it's, it's, it's
0: something comes to mind of a technique or a coping mechanism that i've used in the workplace before when you've noticed somebody is being a little bit more i'd say mean or nasty towards particular folks and just to take a moment and ask them if they are okay and like to genuinely mm-hmm. ask And this is, I mean, I'd imagine a small sliver of the many different techniques and things that that you probably discussed, but that's just one of those things that comes to mind. It's literally acknowledging the other person as a person so that you can then have that reciprocated. Uh, Yeah. And
1: and what you're talking about is compassion. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is you're getting curious about the other person, rather Because what happens when somebody comes at us and they're coming at us aggressively is, we internalize it, and we become afraid, or we become hurt, and mm-hmm. so that we don't regulate ourselves. This is why self-compassion is so important. It's important for us to regulate ourselves enough to hold space for ourselves and say, "This isn't about. I'm mm-hmm. okay. I'm safe. This isn't about me." Then I can get curious about the other person. What's going on for you that you're you're coming you know yeah. you're coming at me full steam? Mm. Hey. What's going on? And the more that we disarm it and don't approach it, because what we don't see is that you're escalated. And if I escalate even further, mm-hmm. you will escalate higher. And so we're both now dysregulated and we're feeding off each other's dysregulation. So what you're doing is holding space for yourself and then holding space for the other person and just getting very curious and not judgmental, which is like, hey, what's going on for you? So that is an extraordinary act.
0: So, you know, I'd love to know some uh, milestones that you may have hit in the short term and, uh, and you know, since you've kind of began this journey. So what are some big moments for you? You mentioned that podcast and that book, but are there any others that come to mind?
1: Yeah, um, so our community is growing. We have about 200 people now. So that's a huge milestone for us. Um, getting to work with amazing people is, is always, like, incredible. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah. It, it just, it's, it's the, the, it, primarily what's got me more excited right now is the module I'm creating with my friend on, uh, dealing with race and equity with compassion and, and having difficult conversations and leaning in. And the other part is, is our community of people that are coming together. Uh, now we haven't, um, got them all together yet. Cause I, I'm transferring the community onto a platform like tribe, mm-hmm. but, um, But they're all all kind of there waiting for us to kind of start and and come together so we can start talking about the podcast, talking about the courses, talking about all these different things that we're interested in and where compassion and love really challenge us uh, because people think it's, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about compassion. People think that it's fluffy and it's soft and it's self-indulgent and it's, you know, narcissistic. because We've been taught that, right? Self-love is narcissistic. It's all all about you when you really should be focusing on other people. The truth of the matter is... Passion can be really challenging and you're facing someone who's coming at you aggressively or with somebody who makes a racist comment or with somebody who actually physically hurts you, uh, mm-hmm. like in Laura's case, to still maintain and see their humanity mm-hmm. is huge and it's, and it's powerful and it's, it can feel challenging. Um, and it's the same to love ourselves despite all our flaws or when we hurt people and still be able to say, you know, I'm still worthy of love. See, these are hard things. These aren't like fluffy, soft, indulgent things.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, so much uh, that you just described resonates. Just one of the concepts that, say, as of late, is the ability to believe that you can continue to succeed without consequence, right? So I do find that this is something that I've noticed in the community of people that I know, and and that it's almost like a lot of people wait for a shoe to drop if things are going too well and that it is okay to have things go well for a while and to not necessarily have a negative consequence. So to me, this really relates to a lot of what you're describing and that it's okay for you to be happy, right? It's, it's
1: yeah, it's so interesting because David and I also talk about this, um, which is uh, reframing failure, reframing those negative events. If you shift from why is this happening to me to where's the gift, mm-hmm. you'll be able to see that, you know, like that there's a gift in everything and that if you can actually tap into that gift and understand that this is just because things aren't going the way you're supposed to be. Usually when, when I encounter a failure, what you could call a failure, it's either a redirection, which is like, this is not supposed to be the path or it's not time. So sometimes, you know, like and I'm I'm bad for this. I gotta take you later. Like I'm bad for the the, you know, like I plant my seeds and I'm like, where's my fruit? (laughs) Where's my fruit now? Because I have too many interests too. That's my other. Like I'm like, where is my fruit? And it's like, no, no. I, I, I have to take the opportunity to really enjoy the journey, to really enjoy all the different things where things don't aren't flowing. That's nice. When things are flowing, that's nice. Like, it's, it's really not giving either one so much weight, right? It's understanding that this is all part of the beauty of the process of life. Uh, but yeah, I, I hear you with that when I, I have that. Where's my fruit thing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so, yeah, what's your favorite part about uh, running the business since you, you started? Because it sounds like you almost parachuted out of a scenario that was a dream that you kind of realized it wasn't exactly into something that actually is a dream that you didn't know you had and mm. that you're into it. So, uh, you know, what's your favorite part about running it so far?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, there's so many favorite parts. I gotta be honest. I love working with my husband. So he is, he, he, um, he pushes me in different ways. Like he, he pushes me to expand my consciousness in a way that sometimes, sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable, but it's always really good. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things we talk about is um, compassion is allowing all things to be. So from his perspective, is you know, and I'm like, but war and death and 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 you know, like child abuse, like, how do we just kind of witness that? Mm-hmm. Um, and what he's talking about is really seeing the perfection in everything, right, and also seeing not having an agenda in terms of, of when we go and help, because sometimes we do that. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm the helper. And so forth. I'm going to help you layer and I'm going to help you in this way. And if you don't take my advice, mm-hmm. then I'm going to, there's going to be a resentment. Mm-hmm. And so how do we detach from the need for people to be different and just love them and accept them as they are and really move into their suffering and move to action when they ask us and how they ask us. Right, and so that really challenged me for a little bit because I'm like, well, you know, child abuse, <laughs> like, right? And so because yeah. I came from child welfare, yeah. right? Yeah. And so in, in understanding that there is a gift and perfection in everything, and, and what are we learning as a society and as people? Um, so that so that's one of my favorite things is, is working with him. Uh, I love the the community that we're building, like the people that the people they just bring their stories and their experiences, and and you know, like in. And, and it's so much fun, like we have fun, right? And so the conversations are fun. The chal- the challenges are fun. My podcast is fun because I get to learn from my guests. And we have really interesting and challenging conversations at times in terms of like, I think, how can I expand my consciousness further and further? So that's, I love that too. Um, I, I do love working from home. So Thank you, COVID, for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really going <laughs> that one. That's, uh, <laughs>
1: Thank you, COVID, for it's that. It's one of
0: those kind of cursed blessings. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's one of those, like, where's the gift in that? So I do love that. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Yeah,
1: so I, I feel very, very blessed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love it. That's It sounds like just it's almost a channel of a series of different types of energies that are kind of building your soul, so to speak, and then you're also yeah. – reciprocating and, and supporting other people too. So uh, during a time where it could have been very easy to be in a rural community such as you're in and feel extremely isolated, I don't think that you have that feeling from what you just described.
1: No, no. And, and you know, you talk about the, 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 sometimes the feelings of guilt when you see so much suffering and then you're like, you know, like, you know, I, I, I feel so blessed. Um, but that's where the difference between compassion and sympathy comes in. Sympathy is like, I, I use the analogy of a boat, like you know, you're you rowing your boat on your lake and you see someone drowning. Sympathy is you jumping in the lake with them and trying to save them, right? You're both in that pain and suffering, and it actually activates areas of your brain where you're actually feeling the same pain. Wow. Whereas compassion is staying on the boat. And helping them lift up remembering so we lift others by succeeding like you said you know like not waiting for the without the consequence not waiting for the other shoe to um because then we inspire people and say hey if, if they can do it so can i because there is nothing different from any one of us we're all human beings we're all come from source so if they can succeed and they can do it so can i right
0: Absolutely. so Absolutely. Yeah. There's, or we, we have our own way of getting there. So maybe our paths aren't the same. We might get to this, yeah. the mountain, the same mountaintop or a similar mountaintop, but maybe we're, cl- we're climbing up a different part of the mountain. So, uh, yeah, it's that, it's that belief of, of being able to, of, yeah. uh, uh, of, of like you were describing of self respect and, and, and self exploration. So yes, these are all themes that, I think are are fantastic that I think society needs, and uh, yeah. and that I'm so happy that there's businesses like you that are out there. Uh, I'm just curious. You'd mentioned a level of evolution, but you know, is there any other way that you feel like your business has evolved? So you know, you started from one area, you then started the business. You've you, you know you've mentioned a couple of pivoted things, but I'm just curious from the point where you started, uh, Tree Center what has happened since then so how how is your evolution has it been upward forward have you had to take steps back have you zigzagged oh that kind of it's,
1: it's it's right and, and that's that's sort of the beauty of it and that's that's what i in the beginning wasn't really taking the time out to um to really relish and enjoy um because i did I, you do have to pivot right mm-hmm. um so we always knew that the the our center was going to be virtual. We actually launched in um, 2020, um, but we actually already had a plan a year before that it was going to launch. And my husband was always like, oh, it has to be virtual. It has to be virtual. Um, and I wanted a combination of the two. Um, mm-hmm. Although, we, I mean, one of the things we want to do in the future is do retreats and bring okay. them together, be a community together, so we can go on like, fabulous locations and we can have you know revel in our love and compassion um and so but so uh, o- originally my desire because i was still coming from a child protection lens was really to work primarily in these sorts of systems the, the, the prison system the, the, you know all of these systems that have in their core their foundation fear mm-hmm. um and it's how do we come together to really support people um, but I kind of had to shift that because um you know when people aren't ready, like the, the, the people that sort of like that we I mean we all are kind of align to these systems as whether in our consciousness, but you know, the, the people who are designing these systems yeah. and deciding the legislation, yet. right? Mm-hmm. So so what what I'm talking about really isn't the the stage where they're at. I guess I would say. So we had to pivot in, you know, um, in my conversations with David and he's like, you have to kind of go broader a little bit in terms of like, you know, sort of finding our community and, and helping one person at a time. And that's how it works, right? Like you, Find like-minded people who are interested in, in this kind of work, who are interested in compassion, who are interested in, in focusing on self-love and interested in having these difficult conversations and lean in. And we go from there. So originally I, I was really, really focused on changing these systems. I've kind of realized that there is perfection and beauty in everything and the systems will evolve as we all evolve. And so now it's been the focus has been more on finding our community and coming together in co-creating uh, hopefully new systems um so that sort of shifted for me it's, it's that i was really really attached on how things should be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i've really released the, the need to and that that's the other thing too i i had a particular way of how i thought my tree center should go and as the universe tends to show when we're attached to different things of how things should be first of all we limit the potentiality and number two and sometimes we make ourselves suffer if it Mm -hmm. doesn't because that's not maybe that's not how it's supposed to go um and so really i'm in the focus and i'm focusing on allowing allowing the vision to take shape allowing kind of it's my tree to evolve um, and not attaching itself so much to my tree self as much as the, the, the people that we are interacting with or working together, the, the, the impact that we're making on just even having these conversations. So it's a little bit more allowing less, it has to be this or it has to be that. But yeah, that, that's, it's been a lot of growth for me in particular on how I think I should see, see things.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's one of those things where I, I find... The theme that you're talking about is again a lot of what you're describing just is so just resonates on so many levels with me is that I find just with business and with life and with friends and whatever you want to call it that there is often a cliqueiness to things <laughs> and you want you see a clique or you see a group that might be in a position of decision making or might be in a position of influence and you want to influence that influence with something that you think is the right way or, or a righteous method of moving forward. And they're not normally ready to hear it or listen to it or be part of it. So despite it might being very progressive and it might be a great thing for them to take on even some of the philosophy. And just what's interesting about what you're describing and this is something that I definitely subscribe to, is when you're in that position, you create your own group so that at the end of the day, if your group grows enough, and if it it becomes an, an influencer on its own, and then you're actually able to influence who you wanted to influence before, or you're able to influence the audience that you're trying to influence. So just what you're describing, I think, is just such a great path and something that a lot of us have felt like I want to be at the mm. level or be part of this group and be at this level of success and I, I just why won't they let me in and yeah. sometimes you have to build your own house right in mm. order for uh, so I, I just think that's a great part of what you're describing and of your story and that you you acknowledge that and, and realize you needed to make be more open to more opportunity and to let it uh, grow on its own yeah. in a way.
1: Yeah, it's without its struggle, like, I mean, right now I'm talking about it as if it was like, oh, well, you know, I, I had a lot of introspection with myself and then I realized, mm, okay, this is it because there was an attachment there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that goes back to the conversation that David and I have, like the many conversations we have about compassion in the allowance piece. Um, I, I thought I needed it to be a specific way with a specific group of people to the maximum impact and all of these thoughts about how the journey should be. Um, but when you look at the people of impact, they all kind of took their own unique paths in different ways. Um, and really what I'm focusing on changing is myself and you're mm-hmm. ch- focusing on changing yourself. And each of us is going to then want to treat people in a different way and that's going to have an impact and so on. And so we underestimate how powerful small actions can can have mm-hmm. um but the young people that i used to work with would tell me that they would tell me that you know they, they felt so at times so unseen and love and then somebody would do a small thing like a worker would bring them a coffee or invite them over to their house and they felt like oh my gosh i can't believe that you're doing this you're inviting me into your world into your life or you mm-hmm. saw me enough to you remembered me enough to bring me a coffee mm-hmm. and to them those moments were extraordinary. Um, And so I just needed a reminder, no matter how much I dug my feet in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what you just described is almost that sentiment of just feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling acknowledged, and uh, that goes a long way. So I, what, like, one or two more questions to ask you, but just what is your dream of the future of the company? So you're looking forward. I know you're just you're you're in a position of wanting to allow it to evolve, but I'd imagine you still have a bit of a north star in mind so
1: uh, I do I do and I don't know if this North Star is going to be the North Star of the future
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but one of the, the the people that I have historically uh, uh, really kind of liked or looked up to um, was Mind Valley, like the Vision Mind Valley that um, they kind of have this this community they've built it's about self-growth and self-empowerment uh, and they have different teachers that come talk um, and so I guess foundationally very similar where we have this, this really large uh, worldwide community that uh, each of them are having their own projects. We're learning together. We're kind of building this together um, and impacting all these different systems together um, and coming together to just, you know, bring greater compassion and love into the world. Um, So that's kind of my dream. Uh, I do like, you know, um, I do open myself up to, if there's a bigger plan, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. If there's something bigger than that, okay, Yeah, I'm in. Because yeah. 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 um, again, I did not think I was going to be doing this. And now that I'm doing it, I love it. So if, I, if it was really me and I had been just stuck to my guns, I would still be working in child welfare trying to make it fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because in my mind, there was no understanding that my childhood dream, that my, I might not always feel that way. I I did not always think that I was going to be doing this, and if I had stuck my guns and tried to make it work, because in my mind this was my dream since I was a kid, I would still be there and I would be suffering. I wouldn't be opening up my uh, the the opening up to the opportunities that may be better. So this is why I would say to the audience, like you know, maybe there's a bigger dream out there that you're limiting yourself because you think it should be this way. And so that's why, even though I kind of had that frame in mind, I'm open to whatever this is going to look like, but I would love to have a community that is worldwide. That would be my, you know, because there's so many different perspectives and so many people doing amazing stuff. I'd love to hear more about it. And the other thing I wanted to do was, and, and I don't know, this is just me spitballing. I want to travel the world and, and record Amazing stories of compassion. Mm-hmm. I want to have kind of like this, like sort of like my my friend Lara's story, right? So many things. We are doing it right now. There's so many people that are doing some extraordinary things for giving, you know, coming together, you know, like forming community. Because um, all we see in the media, and, and not to, to, they're doing the best they can, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they, with their with their understanding, um, and so to counteract, to to truly show. That we, at our core, is we are loving and compassionate. So I would like to do that too. So if anybody mm-hmm. hears that, that's
0: my dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just at the end of the day, that uh, you know humans are at their core good or have the yeah. best interests in mind. It's just it's kind of that uh, nature over nurture kind of dar- Darwinist yes. concept. Um, uh, often we're, we're a result of our environment, and that can come mm-hmm. up as well. Um, yeah. So. Last thing I'd, I'd ask are, is there any advice that you would give small businesses or people thinking of starting it? Because this is an incredible adventure you just kind of took us through of going down a very specific career path to an aha moment of what I thought was my dream is actually just almost a different side of the coin.
1: Yeah.
0: So, any advice you give to people?
1: Yeah, I have a few pieces of advice from what I've learned. You know, you always like to learn for people that have already stumbled over a rock so you don't have to stumble it. So I've already stumbled it for you. So don't. <laughs> um, so the one thing I would say, number one, would be uh, hold the vision. Uh, keep holding the vision of what you want to create. If, if, if a specific vision brings you joy, hold on to that vision. You may not always see it in the physical world and you may be like me or like, where's my fruit? Um, The fruit is coming. Trust it. Do not, you know, that doesn't mean you don't do other things, but just hold on to the vision. Believe in it, revel in it, have joy in the vision as if it's already occurred, right? Like really, really truly enjoy it. Uh, And then allow it to be um, and that really will bring it closer to you. Um, It's when we start to doubt that we actually start to create resistance and make our our vision more challenging. Every amazing thing in the world, absolutely everything started with a vision. So if you think about electricity, like, you know, like how it was invented, there was like tens of thousands of failures before it worked, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so there's, if you... Because people only see the success. They only see, oh, well, this works. Mm-hmm. How many of this didn't work before it worked? So those people had to keep seeing the vision in their mind. The same with the flight, right? Like the Wright brothers, they didn't just automatically create a plane and take off. They, they crashed mm-hmm. <laughs> like most of the time. Mm-hmm. I, it only took one flight, right? Mm-hmm. But it, everything else was a failure beforehand. You just got to keep going, keep holding into the vision. The other one is allowed. Allow it to sort of take shape because sometimes when we're stuck on how it should be, like know your end goal, which is, I want to get here, but how the end goal happens, allow the universe to help you kind of get there, right? Allow it to show you that it it could be, the potential might be even bigger. Um, So allow, like don't be in in resistance in terms of it should be this way with this group, with this particular way, because sometimes we make ourselves uh, suffer more than we should. Um, and the other thing is, uh, I know that, I, and I was particularly bad for this. I came from a really high stress, high functioning workplace. So I was I was a director and I had two phones. So I was super stressed right. all the time and I used to work quite a bit. Um, to go from that to having your own company, uh, but there is... I would say that we're shifting away from the grind. Like, oh, I have to grind down. I have to burn the candle at both ends to more balance. Creating from ease and grace and allowing instead of from, I got to grind it down most to the ground because we think that that's how we're going to earn our place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really focusing on the joy of the creation rather than the, I got to burn the candle at both ends. And because I'm an entrepreneur and I have to do everything myself. Um, So, that, that would be my advice.
0: Absolutely love it. Yeah. That's uh, everything you just said is is definitely on the mark for how I've been feeling lately and just in terms of the, the business as well. And there's this strange freedom. I know you're you're kind of, really it's almost two years now that you've been a bit of an entrepreneur yourself, but do you have a higher sense of freedom now that you've gone down this path?
1: Yes. Oh my God! And I think that's what I love. You know, like when you think about abundance, it's abundance to have freedom. It's abundance to have to be able to dictate your time and to have a balance in your life, into and, and to really choose where you're going to put your energy and attention. Um, so that that's that's wealth in itself. So yeah, I, I love the freedom that I'm able to kind of maneuver my day and get to spend more time with my kids as well because um, they're growing up, they're getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, they also helped out with the business as
0: well. So it's
1: been a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Love the family. I love the family affair.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so uh, all I'd ask from this point is where can people find you if, uh, if they're looking for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I have my um, center. I don't know if they can see it, but um, you can find us at www.maicentre.com. Uh, you can find our um, our podcasts is there. We're also on YouTube and all major social media uh, platforms. Um, yeah, so you can find us there. I look forward to. You, you can always email me as well at um, info at
0: mytreecenter dot
1: com, uh, and we get back to you.
0: Awesome. Hey, well, Giselle, it was an amazing meeting with you. Thank you for joining Thank us today. You. That was a pretty incredible story and story arc. A lot of. Uh, interesting little (laughs) emotional explosions amongst the whole journey to get you there. And then, uh, and then you kind of found your balance and peace at the end. So uh, definitely inspiring. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me very much. It was a lovely conversation.
0: Yes. thank you Likewise. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the local street podcast. I hope you enjoyed Giselle's story. The Matry center is located in Burford, Ontario. If you wanna hear more stories just like this, subscribe to our podcast. We can be found at www.localstreet.ca where we continue to add small businesses just like Giselle's. If you have a small business and wanna join our community, please visit the Local Street website. And if you're interested in shopping local, we're growing into a destination to find businesses just like the Matry Center. Otherwise, thanks for listening and buy local.